This radio show was originally broadcast on the 23rd of May 2020 and features guest Alex Elborough. Centuries of Sound is a one-man project with no advertising. Help the show survive and get access to the full archive of full mixes and radio pods by coming to patreon.com slash centuries of sound and paying just the cost of a coffee or a beer per month. Centuries of Sound on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to Centuries of Sound on Cambridge 105 Radio, the show where we use archive audio to take a deep dive into the ancient history of recorded music. My name is James Errington. I run the website centuriesofsound.com, where I make mixes for every year of recorded sound. And today I'm joined by... Alex Elbro, who is the daytime presenter on Cambridge 105 Radio. Great. So what kind of music do we hear in the daytime on Cambridge 105? Well, we hear a, a wide mix, actually, but it's it's much more much more modern than uh, we're listening to today. What's, um, the, uh, what's the oldest thing? I think the oldest we have is a 60s actually in our uh, core library but we do have some 50s on there as well it's interesting because i think in the 90s if i was listening to something like that there'd be plenty of kind of 50s music being played maybe some 40s music even yeah i think we do have a little bit of 40s i know there is a um a show for just big band jazz stuff and i think they um would play a lot more of the 40s glenn Mm -hmm. miller type thing i think that's 40s isn't it but i think it's the last 20 years perhaps seeing the 60s starting to kind of recede out of uh, the common currency of popular music it's interesting when you're looking at music from much further away because that's what happened to this music as well yes I suppose. Yeah. today we're going to uh, a, another year in the ancient history of recorded sound um this is we're still a few years before jazz this is the year 1915 so if i say to you the word the year 1915 what kind of uh, what kind of music do you imagine would be made in this year i can't even imagine it because that's we're first world war territory there aren't we we are into the we're right into the first yeah, world war yeah. yeah that's one thing so maybe some wartime songs i don't know whether they had or is that all second world war we will hear some wartime music i think the the kind of consensus on the first world war is that uh, music didn't really step up in the way it did in the Second World yeah. War, especially in the UK, you had a lot of uh, censorship of the media and, uh, yeah, not really uh, managing it in the way they did in the Second World War to uplift spirits, but just kind of clamp down on um, the wrong kind of music getting out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about uh, in America? What kind of thing do you imagine would be going on there? Well, you said it's just before jazz, did you? So yeah. was there kind of Charleston-type stuff emerging then? Because that's um, I mean, you think of that as the 20s, don't you? So it must have been some underground stuff, perhaps. Well, some the the dances, as far as, um, you know, dancing is, is related to music. I think that's, yeah, that's an interesting part of it. Um, because, Could be a bit of blues in there? Well, yeah, these kind of things, are, they're, they're kind of bubbling under. They're not quite there yet. But what we do see is uh, the Foxtrot. Um, it was uh, a couple called the Castles who were introducing all these different dances to America. And uh, they had a, a a band playing with them who we've, we've heard on a previous show. Um, it's uh, James Reese Europe's uh, Society Orchestra, um, who are uh, the first uh, uh, proper black band who are playing big uh big venues around new york uh, although they don't play jazz music it's it's interesting and exciting not 
we don't have a good recorded record of it, unfortunately. So um, when you say foxtrot, this would be what we would call a foxtrot now as well? It's the... Uh, was it the makings of it? The dance steps are similar. And we, we hear kind of proto-tango kind of things going on from, from South America as well. Although not, not in the sense that we would really recognise now. Let's have a listen to what's going on in, uh, in the USA. Um, the USA, I should say... Um, has a a very restricted recording industry still at this point. It's a a few labels who are operating out of New York and uh, the people who record are not every musician going around. It's the the recording musicians. There's a a list of them who commonly make recordings and that's uh, not representative of everyone. It's just representative of that group of recording artists, unfortunately. Um, So this particular guy is called Irving Kaufman. I think this is an interesting piece of music because it's a uh, it's a song about is it about jazz? It sounds like uh, the writer of this song on Tin Pan Alley quite likely has heard a jazz band in uh, New Orleans perhaps and is writing a song about it. But it's all through this kind of prism of uh, being a Tin Pan Alley songwriter writing for kind of a New York. Uh, New York stage or or records, um, so it's trying to, it, and it's kind of a spin off of Alexander's Ragtime Band, which was a hit of a few years previous. Um, so it's, it's kind of a strange cultural uh, artifact, and it's uh, it's called Listen to That Dixie Band. I'd like you to see if you think they're singing about jazz, because there's there's definitely no jazz in society at this point. Take 
a regular vacation. Call a holiday, get the band to play, melodies right from the old plantation. Let's go down to Mammy Ginny's for a good old Dixie Jubilee. Mammy, she will feed us, and the band will treat us to some southern harmony. Listen to that Dixie band. That Dixie band is coming from our home in Dixieland. That's the band I love best of all. Everybody will call, all that whole will call. Listen to that big bass drum. Ain't that trombone blowing song? Oh, boy, what is it they're playing on? So that was Listen to That Dixie Band uh, by uh, Irving Kaufman from the year 1915. So what did you make of that? Mm, interesting. Yeah. It, it's, it was sort of like almost a showtime thing. You imagine it, um, you know, on a... I know this wouldn't be work, but on a television, on a on a kind of Friday night television, you know, big showtime band and... Yeah, I and, mean, it's, it's true, yeah. I know what uh, you mean. And sort of big... So those big musicals, those kind of technicolor musicals where they have like, I'm thinking of Carousel or those sort of things where it's all in very heightened colour and yeah. uh, everybody's dancing and, and I don't know, I guess it must be jazz they're talking about in a way, like you say, although they wouldn't mm. make, no, because they're talking about big band and a big bass drum and the... Um, yeah, horns. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Uh, the the lineage that you're making me think of is minstrel shows. Yes, I was I think thinking of that, it, yeah. Which has been a thing for nearly 100 years at this point, um, which is a, a little bit of an unfortunate thing. Yes, <laughs> um, I agree. We did, we did have that on TV until the until I was born, basically. Well, the it was the going, year I was born, yeah. that was uh, cancelled. I think, uh, oh, well, I saw a few of them, so... Uh, oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, there was a, I can see the element of that there, but there's, there's always that kind of curiosity about uh, what uh, uh, black musicians in the south of the USA are up to, and there's always that kind of, uh, through ragtime, that kind yeah, of... Yeah, that's uh, the word I was thinking of, ragtime. Yeah. Mm, um, but ra- ragtime is still the big the big genre at this point. It's, it's uh, there's still kind of a moral panic going on about ragtime music corrupting corrupting the young which seems strange from this point because, um, you know, ragtime music, we think of a kind of tinkly piano. Um, and a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound like uh, there's going to be uh, chaos of writing to do with that. But um thing to remember about ragtime is that the, the piano version was just one part of it. There were bands playing ragtime music and uh, pretty raucous ragtime music, kind of hot 
fast ragtime music that they were playing at this point. And uh, if you hear some of that, you can see uh, in a dance hall, people can get quite excited about that. Let's let's hear some of that stuff then. Um, so this is a um, it's a, it's an odd period this because in a couple of years jazz is going to come along and all the bands playing now are going to be swept away with that and forgotten. Um, but it's a doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that they're unfortunate that they're playing now and they're going to be um, completely forgotten by the, the huge thing that's happening next. They are more interesting than what's happened like four or five years before this. Um, so this is yeah this is Eugene Jaldas and because he's in this era, I can't find out anything about him apart from he led a band at this time. That's basically all there is. There's no biographies of this guy out there, um, and it's called uh, Pick a Chicken.
very good. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a quite a uh, fun song that. Yeah. So that's uh, uh, Eugene Jowdis's Society Orchestra with uh, "Pick a Chicken." Now, was do we know what the reference to "Pick a Chicken" was? I think it's just a kind of uh, funky, fun dance movie kind right. of uh, name the, for a song. Yeah, I wonder whether else. there was some sort of pick a chicken move or something that was I, a specific it, it dance be. move, couldn't it? It could be? well be. It just reminds me of that of sort of cartoons of um, yeah. so sort of those old <laughs> cartoons of like Felix the Cat and uh, yeah, exactly. The, uh, you could imagine mm. that music in the back and them dancing around to that. Well, the people who were making those cartoons, this is the music of their youth, their childhood. Go, so um, <laughs> they really want to make cartoons around it. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's where this music survives. That's where it sounds familiar from. Sure, but um, it doesn't sound like what people imagine ragtime to be no um but at the same time that's not quite jazz um the thing that stops it being jazz is the lack of um uh slides and smears and improvisation it's very regimented it's 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 a one step away from a marching band song yes that's the thing um because it's surprisingly enough that you know, when when I listen to music, when I try and sort music for a year, I've sourced into folders, and um, there's if, if I go back to eighteen ninety, there's a folder called um, marching band military music. And you can see that as a marching band, can't you? You can see them walking down the road with their kind of mm. um, big top hats on and and, uh, and uh, uniform. As as that folder progresses through the years, it turns into band music, and then ragtime band music, and eventually jazz band music. It's the same folder through That's the years yeah. it's just uh, not not the not what i really expected to happen but um it is a big part that that kind of uh uh i think i think there's a some important people who started putting like ragtime elements into that kind of music do you think they were sort of sneaking them into the marching band things and just seeing if anyone would notice i mean it was it was a major craze of uh, around uh, 1900 1905 and uh, it was a a few people like Arthur Pryor would be the first name I'd put out there who were, was in charge of uh, Sousa's band for a while and uh, he just wanted to show off on his uh, cornet so he would put in like ragtime music for Sousa's band and then he'd go and do that by himself I think he's really important in that um, we, we, were we, there yeah. lots of marching bands in the sort of we said there wasn't the, the music related to the war but would there be mm. marching bands to kind of within the armies and and uh it was kind of the i mean it wasn't just in the army it was the and you know, every small town in america would have their own band who would march up and down and play in the street so it wasn't necessarily a military thing um but that's because it's from the united states marine band that's where that's where Sousa was based so it's kind of that's the that's the roots of it but it, it spread out through the country and that that's if if you played an instrument and you were in a band that was the kind of band you were in if you can think of an old film like a marching band going down the street, mm. I think they still have them in, in the USA. I was don't about I? to say, yeah, I think they do. I think they do the, in Europe more as well. Okay. I'm sure places like Germany still have marching bands that yeah. you. Go, and I think, I think the UK has some, but more like um, brass bands. They still there's a few that have been revived. I think re- more recent times. I always see. Um, well, I, I used to live in Ely, and uh, they've got a steel band there that they always seem to play, and they're they're, fun, they're a lot of fun. I always like when they turn up. So yeah, um, you can see where this stuff comes from. It's not not necessarily the old. It's more uh, of a community thing than. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I met someone recently that at a um, a singing thing, and they said they they're living in Germany. They and uh, they become involved with the the band within um, their village. Oh great! And so it, it clearly yeah. is a, an ongoing thing. Now you said that. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, this is this is how musicians come in. There's a whole uh, 
They call it the, as a documentary series by Cam Burns about jazz, and the first episode is called Gumbo. It's the the dish they have in New Orleans, and it's it's everything mixed together, and everyone likes it, no matter who you are. That's 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 their metaphor for jazz, how jazz happens. So uh, there's many different elements going on there that people maybe don't don't think about or talk about so much, but it's all in there. Um, let's uh, let's have a, a sharp digression to the big events of the year of 1915 um of course 1915 is the war um 1914 it was kind of the start of the war it was people didn't know quite what was going to happen they thought it was going to be over by christmas all that kind of thing 1915 is when we're settling down for a, a proper horrible uh long conflict in europe and uh, as far as the uk goes we don't really have much representation of that and you know, there's not many records being recorded in Germany or France either for that, for that same reason. Um, but the Americans are keen to record songs about the First World War. What kind of perspective do you think they'll be coming from there? Oh, being the big heroes coming in? Well, not yet. Oh, okay. Not yet, because uh, America is conspicuously staying out of the war at this point. Yeah, my history's not very good. I'm just going to warn you now. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, USA will, will join the war in 1917. So, okay. Yeah, they will come in properly in 1917. So were they just watching from afar? Sort of. I mean, the political debate at this time was about um, whether to go to war or not. And um, Woodrow Wilson, who's the president of the USA at this point, he'll run for re-election in 1916 on the slogan, uh, he kept us out of the war and, and win. And then he would bring the USA into the war a few months later. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. So, so let's, let's hear what the Americans are making of the war at this point. Um, so first of all, we have Burt Williams. Burt Williams is, an, okay, if anyone's interested in checking out this guy, he's an amazing performer. Um, he's, uh, I guess, not just the first uh, black superstar of of music, but maybe the first uh, superstar singer that would be uh, known as kind of a cultural icon all around the world. And uh, he's uh, th- this is a song about the First World War, and uh, every every one of his songs has this kind of uh, wry, humorous kind of. Um, uh, sort of a self-deprecating, talking about the struggles of life in a kind of uh, humorous way. That's that's his kind of take on things always. So um, this is his song about the war. It's called "I'm Neutral." Fight. 
and we happen to be alone, well, I might say, yes, sir, I guess you're right. But if there's even as much as a child in sight, uh-oh, I'm new to it. Okay, so there was uh, Bert Williams with uh, I'm Neutral, putting his own personal spin on the events of the first year I or really two. liked that. I thought that was, it seemed very modern in his thoughts and the way he was uh, mm. describing, um, you know, what would be happen if you went into war. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, his, um, his uh, song uh, Nobody is, uh, I think it's one of the, I mean, the, the song of the 1900s decade, the Edwardian era. Which I think people, if you want to check out one song from that era, that's probably the one. It's a bit depressing, you could say, but um, in a kind of heartwarming, uplifting way at the same time, if that makes sense. It does yeah, make that's sense to me. Right, a lot of dramas written around that time would be the same, similar sort of idea, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and when, when, you know, I, I listen to a lot of music to edit this down and there's a lot of rubbish around <laughs> and he's not, he's not part of that. He's so removed from that. So I, I enjoy that. Um this next song, I'm not going to say it's. I'm not going to say it's rubbish in any sense, but it's it's more from the mainstream perspective in the USA. Um, and uh, this is. I'm just going to play this. This is a uh, Henry Burr, and uh, it's uh, it's called "I Didn't Raise My Boy to Be a Soldier." It's 
time to lay the sword and go away. There'd be no war today if mothers all would say, I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. I brought him up to be my pride and joy. Who dares to place a musket on his shoulder to shoot some other mother's darling boy? Let nations arbitrate their future troubles. It's time to lay the sword and go away. There'd be no war today if mothers all would say, I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. That was really sad. I love yeah. that. I just um, having two boys myself. I think that's um, very poignant because uh, mm. you know, in these times of war, crikey, it must have been terrible sending you know your children off to yeah. to whatever. But, I mean, it's it's interesting that it's that, that's the mainstream pop take on the war. Yeah. It's the opposite of uh, being belligerent. It's uh, yeah, a very an- anti-war song. Yeah. yeah, I would say. So, did conscientious objectors? Were they in within the First World War? Is that the they Second were World in, War thing? Um, both, but especially in the First World War. But um, but this is pre that, isn't it? Well, this you know, it's America. They're yeah. not in. They're not, not in the war. In and yeah. the pop songs are about yeah how terrible war is. Let's mm. not have a war. Um, which yeah, you can't really imagine it now, I suppose. But that's the mainstream perspective on it now. Is that yeah, that's, that's a terrible thing. Let's not do that. And um, it only it, well, it took a few events for the USA to join the war. But at this point, I mean, two years later, this 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 song is going to be completely unacceptable from the American public. It's it's going to be a complete Not because of the propaganda or well, I mean, the the public mood for for reasons of propaganda or or otherwise um, is going to make that happen, which is a, a weird and slightly scary thing that the mood can be changed in that way so quickly, isn't it? Mm, um, I think it's quite not. <laughs> It's yeah. what happens. <laughs> it is, yeah. But um, it's it's strange looking back on it. That's yes, all. yeah, but yeah, definitely. That's um, it, it's not just it's not pro- this isn't protesters or um, you know, kind of fringe people. This is the, the ma- mainstream, even kind of mawkish mainstream sentimental music that it has that point of view. You know, which mm. is not something you kind of expect because uh, there's there's lots of other songs from the Spanish American War, especially about. Uh, uh, the brave son going off to war, and they're, they're all the opposite spin on it. If yeah, you like. the, these are the flip side exactly. This is exactly the same thing, just the other side of it, really. Um, yeah, taking the same emotions but turning them around. Mm. Um, should we move away from the first of war because it's not very fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's uh, um, another example of the kind of uh, hot ragtime music, um, and it's it's even got a. Uh, rag in the title of it um it's a uh, patrick conway's band so it's very much he he's a he's a basically a music executive who's got a band who's <laughs> a performer before um and it's called uh, ragging the scale <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so oh, that, that was a bit more fun. It was a bit more fun. Um, yeah. But no. I like the ragging the scale because clearly it was just going up and down the scale. That would be good for doing your piano practice. Making yeah. Making it a bit more exciting, I think. Um, yeah, if you were... It, I, I was trying to learn piano recently. We had a piano for a few months and it, it went again. <laughs> because I, it, I, Yeah, I learned it as a child and I really annoyed my, um, myself because I begged my parents to stop, let me stop. And so I stopped at age 11 and I really oh. wish, you know, obviously hindsight and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. I wish I'd carried on. But it was it seemed so boring doing practice when all my friends were out, seemed to be outside playing mm-hmm. and I wanted to be out there. There's loads of good piano music coming up um, in the early 1920s. Um, there's a guy called Zez Confrey who does uh, Kitten on the Keys. Um, <laughs> do you know that one? That's a, No, that's I a don't, classic. but I, I love cats as well. So two, two of my... It, I, I think together. apparently he was inspired by his his kitten walking down the piano, and he just played the notes that the that, that's that's how he got that tune originally. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like the, the ragtime piano is uh, yeah that that, that element's going to come through to jazz and it's going to make lots of interesting music soon. Um, let's have one more example of the uh, hot ragtime that's going to kind of turn into jazz. This this band uh, would go on to be sort of an early jazz band six brown brothers and they were called five brown brothers before i think uh, there's one brother who's sometimes in the band and sometimes not <laughs> they dress as uh scary clowns i would describe them as Ooh, i don't like that <laughs> yeah that, i think they weren't supposed to be scary at the time they were just kind of uh entertaining but right now they look very creepy so this is uh six brown brothers with a chicken reel medley <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, so there were uh, six Brown brothers this time rather than the five previous so time. They, you think there was Mr and Mrs Brown and they had five or six sons? They did. Wow. And uh, five of them dress as uh, clowns with big pointy hats on and uh, one of them, unfortunately, is in blackface in the photos I can find um, because that was that was the deal these days. Uh, minstrel shows were still a big deal. So, they sort uh, of look like the Piero sort of costumes, you know, like the sort of big baggy white yeah. um, thing with the pom-poms on. Yeah, that's what so I'm So that bit doesn't about, look yeah. quite so scary. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, their makeup maybe not so much. Yeah, they... they they do look very odd indeed. But, you know, that's uh, entertainment in these days. Absolutely, it's a yeah. very different world. Um, we're going to have a little tour around the world to see what else is being recorded now. Um, let's have a listen to something from Brazil, I think this is from. This is uh, Bahaino uh, with Omo Boy Moro. I do not know any Portuguese. Um, mm, I'm not I don't so know much if you myself. Know yourself. A, a little, a little, but not to pronounce it. No, no. Well, um, this is, uh, yeah, the sounds of uh, uh, the Portuguese bit of uh, South America in the year 1915. <laughs> the way they roll their R's. Sounds beautiful. Mm. And it sounds sort of calypso-y, kind of samba. I know that's not the right part yeah. of, the, of the world, but it's that sort of, it makes you want to sort of 
Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I think, um, I think Jiggle. Coro is perhaps the okay. name of the genre right now. Um, there they seem to be a lot of uh, MP3s labelled as Coro, and that's one of the compilations at this time. Um, but I have to confess, I, I still don't know too much about um, Brazilian music from this particular time especially. Um, but this one was apparently composed by Eduardo das Neves. Um, who was, seems to be very important in Brazilian music at this time. Mm, I say the sound's beautiful, the singing sounds great. Mm, yeah, I think so as well. Um, let's uh, go to Mexico, who asked... It's a, this is the Mexican Revolution going on right now, so um, it's a, quite a turbulent time for them, but they still seem to be making recordings at the same time, which is which is good. Um, <laughs> I'm glad they it's are. It's nice to see that, you know... <laughs> <laughs> they get their priorities right. Yeah, not like Europe. They haven't stopped recording anything. They're still <laughs> they're still going for it. So uh, this, um, as as bad as I am at pronouncing uh, Portuguese names, I th- might be even worse at pronouncing Spanish names. I'm going to give this one a try. So this is uh, Duo Reis Acuna. I think that's right. Do you want to have a try that? <laughs> that sounds yeah. Duo Reis. Yeah, no, I'm even mm. worse. Acuna. Yeah, I think it's that Cor- sounds. Uh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Corazones Partidos. Uh, Corazones, is that? Corazones Heart, isn't it? I think. Oh, I don't know. I'm not that good at Spanish. Okay, anyway. Order a beer, if that helps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely not one beer, please. So, um, anyway, this is uh, Corazones Partidos. Corazones Partidos. Yo no lo sé. as well yeah i thought the singing uh, yeah again i love listening to things in different accents in languages really because so uh, I'm, I'm assuming that came from mexico 
Um, but I'm not sure, actually. Someone might be able to to correct me on that. Um, it seems what, you think it a... might be more Spanish? Yeah, it, well, um, no, I think perhaps uh, it's a kind of tango thing. Yes. So from uh, Argentina, which is quite a lot further south from Mexico, but it's got that, I don't know, that's that's the feeling I got from it. It's, it's a bit flamenco, yeah, isn't it, yeah. as well? You could imagine, you know, clicking heels and stamping feet and um, yeah. clapping along to that one. Definitely. If anybody has more information about this, any uh, Spanish-speaking listeners or people who are experts in that kind of music, please do let me know. I, I think that's a yeah wonderful record, uh, amazing kind of sound for this time. You can see that something's really happening there. Um, let's uh, have one more trip to a, a new to a exotic place, Hawaii. Ooh. Now, uh, we hear lots of Hawaiian music at this time because there's a major Hawaiian craze going on, which lasts for the best part of 15 years. <laughs> there's loads of Hawaiian music being recorded. Um, I'm not sure why this craze took off and why it was so long-lasting. Perhaps because the music's good. I think that's a good enough reason. Um, so this is uh, a David K. Kali, uh, who I've not really encountered before, but he's playing with uh, Pale K. Lua who uh, seems to have made a lot of records at this time. And it's, uh, it's called Honolulu March. It's a uh, much easier to pronounce Hawaiians I'm very <laughs> glad for. Yeah, that was like, um, is it ukuleles that they play in Hawaii? They do play ukuleles. I think some, that's why they took off. Some ukuleles going much. on, yeah, because yeah, that that became a massive thing then, didn't it? Mm. Right the way through, and it's still it's becoming big again now. I mean, the ukuleles being played everywhere now. Yeah, we will so. be uh, encountering a ukulele connection in a moment as well. Uh-huh. Uh, Very well, good. in a couple of moments. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's a good point. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, there was uh, steel guitars as well. Also. Oh, that's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, um, I couldn't work out which what which instrument I could hear. I think probably can hear both. I think uh, perhaps the more ukuleles. You're right for this time, but um, yeah, there's there's lots of elements of Hawaiian music which are going to be uh, incorporated into kind of uh, country music and jazz later on, which kind of maybe don't get uh, uh, acknowledged enough. So uh, yeah, they're, they're 
pioneers in this area well, as well. You know, even Elvis, he was into, had a bit of Hawaiian oh, sound, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, going, yeah we're, we're jumping way forward now. But, no, no, that's, you know, that's true. There was, there was all that um, influence yeah. in there as well, I think. Yeah, maybe they're due for a revival. That's well, the they def- there's definitely a lot of ukuleles around already. Oh, there there's are some lots of ukulele There bands. are perhaps too many sensitive uh, singer-songwriters with ukuleles playing adverts these days. I think it's, <laughs> it's maybe been a bit overdone recently. That's a good point. Well, have you, have you, you've heard the ukulele band Great of Great Britain. Oh, yeah, that's that's different. That's good. Yeah, well, I, say, <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> yeah, the there are standards. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, just... Not another John Lewis ad with somebody playing a slow ukulele singing, oh, yeah, singing a cover version of an 80s pop song. Yeah. We don't need any more of that. <laughs> <laughs> On Cambridge 105 Radio. You've been listening to Centuries of Sound on Cambridge 105 Radio. I've been James Errington. If you are interested in the music from 1915, you can come to my website, centuriesofsound.com, where you can hear uh, a mix. It's over an hour and a half long of uh, music and uh, speech clips from this year i make mixes for every year from uh, 1853 through to the present day i've got to the mid 20s right now um, and if you want to get in touch uh, i'm james at centuriesofsound.com or you can find me on uh, twitter or uh, facebook or instagram or any good kind of podcast apps just search for centuries of sound you'll find me one way or another <laughs> um, and uh, today i've been joined by Alex Elbro. And uh, how can we hear you, Alex? Day so I'm on Monday and Friday afternoons at 1 till 4 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Okay, so so listen then. It's a, it's a, a daytime show. So, daytime uh, show, guests, chat, music. Yeah, great. Um, okay, so today we're going to finish with uh, a, a name that might be familiar to many people. It's George Formby. Of course, ukulele. King. Mm, ukulele King. However, this particular George Formby does not have a ukulele because this is George Formby Senior. Ah. Oh. So this is the the the, the George knew? Formby that you might be more familiar with. It's his dad, oh. um, who uh, unfortunately died in the early twenties, and uh, of the uh, uh, tuberculosis which uh, he used in his performance to he would have a cough. It's called the Wigan Nightingale because he would cough. Um, oh, through his how act. interesting. Yeah, and uh, well, quite sad though, really. But, yeah, yeah, very sad. Yeah. But his his son uh, picked up his act and uh, continued with the same name. Um, but his uh, his addition to it was the ukulele. But he didn't you carry on with the Wigan. Um, he he had the same kind of persona, and uh, the uh, the Wigan Nightingale persona That's was a one. was yeah. a big inspiration for uh, Charlie Chaplin as well. Oh. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is an important guy, George Formby Sr. So let's have a listen to that as we finish today. Um, thank you for joining us today, and uh, good night. Good evening, everybody. I'm going to bark now. No, I mean sing. Go on, start band. <laughs>
Of course, I never thought about it, what they was going to do. It's a good job I wasn't conjuring with bricks. It was bad enough as it was. You know, I'm very sensitive. I can smell a thing when it's coming. Let's see if I can get any better in this next verse. Be ready, lads, now. I shared me bed with a pal, you see, that when he worked in the drapery, he dreamt he was serving one night, and so I thought he was tearing up calico. Then all of a sudden it struck me, I found he was tearing me shirt. Oh, it's awful, you know. He kept on saying, and uh, what for you, madam? One yard, right. That's another piece gone. That's an imitation of when he was tearing it. So hard to get up and chastise him. I expect sheets will go next. Third act now, lad. Get ready. I went to the doctor's because I was ill. He gave me some medicine, also a pill. Of course you've been drinking. He gave a sigh. If you drink any more of that whiskey, you'll die. Then all of a sudden it struck me, I'll not go to him anymore. I don't think he knows what he was talking about. I know what I'll do. I'll go home now, and I'll have one, and I'll close my eyes, and then I'll not know I'm not drinking it. Are you ready now, behind? You know, that fellow that's behind that's uh, recording this now, you know, they call him Syncopation George. I think it's right time. I don't know what to call him. I think I'll call him a parasite. Some of them say that's an insect. I don't know, but I'm not inquiries about it. Is that right, George? Good health. Centuries of Sound is a one-man project with no advertising. Help the show survive and get access to the full archive of full mixes and radio pods by coming to patreon.com slash centuriesofsound and paying just the cost of a coffee or a beer per month.